whatever direction you want me to move in, Lord, just make the path clear. And we thank you for it, and we give you the glory, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, Psalms 131 and 1, I want to read that first. And uh, not sure how much I'm going to share uh, of this, this actual word that I have for you. And God's given me a word for the church, and that word is uncommon. And undoubtedly, you are uncommon. No doubt. That's not, that's not wrong. It's not, it should not be unusual. You know, hearing the testimonies that we heard tonight, that should be the norm. You know, one of the things that, that I have been wrestling with over the past year is complacency because the one thing I don't want to be is complacent in God. And I'm at a place in my ministry, we're getting ready to take out, take an extremely huge step of faith and God's doing something really, um, really unique inside of us right now, but I don't ever want to be complacent. As a, as a pastor, we stepped out 13 years ago in absolute faith. God sent us to Waterloo, Iowa. He sent us to a troubled church that had gone through several splits. And when we got there, they had nothing. They didn't have people. I was, uh, I was sharing earlier, we had a, uh, a $70,000 debt that we didn't have just walking in the building. We also had a mortgage and and all of this stuff that, that came. But, you know, God tells you to go. When you're prophetic, God will tell you to do the difficult, hard things, right? And so God told us to go. We spent our first, um, our first oh, six, eight months living in the basement of the church. And I'd like to say they were living quarters, but they, it was a basement of a church. Okay, we lived in, we slept in Sunday school rooms and in the youth room, and but we were following God. Within a short period of time, we were able to, uh, procure a little apartment, and we moved into a small apartment. By no means were we, as we like to say, knocking it out of the park. We were just following God. Um, but we had a seventy thousand dollar debt. We were we that we did we were not responsible for that. Uh, uh, the people who had been there before had had that. And I don't know why God sent me there. God called me into full-time ministry when I was 21 years old. I quit my job, just stepped out in faith. My wife quit her job. And we just went and started working at the church. And we had one little meeting that we went to in southern Indiana every month. And God provided for us and our whole family in that one little meeting. And just for, for the next eight years, we just watched God do miracles through our lives and through our ministers. We, uh, uh, through our ministry, we went out and held tent revivals and we would go and preach in nursing homes and wherever God would open up doors, we just stepped out in faith. We had a lot of faith, didn't have any sense, but we had a whole lot of faith. You know, literally, we would go places, not have the money to get home. You know, it's like buying a one-way ticket somewhere. We'd go there, get there, and have to believe God to get us home. Happened more than once. Many times, we were broke down on the side of the road, praying and asking God to just get us to our next place. And, and we have been very fortunate to watch God move in a mighty way. Those are very uncommon things. You are a very uncommon people, and that is a very good place to be. The last thing you ever want to be is complacent in God. You know, uh... Uh, signs of uh, 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 signs and wonders are the norm within the supernatural. Amen. If we are not having signs and wonders, I don't believe where the church God has called us to be. I have always believed God for miracles. I, I told my wife every, uh, every I know back home at our at our home church we have a miracle every week. It's a miracle we make budget every week. You know, it really is. And we've watched God really bless people throughout the country through our church. And we've uh, been able to bless the nations. And, and you know, it's, it's real, real weird. This is the thing God spoke to me uh, when he was talking about your location. He said, no matter where you were, you would reach the nations. No matter where you were, no matter what location you were at, from that spot you would reach the nations. But the Lord spoke to me just sitting there that from right here, you're literally reaching the nations. I don't know your heart of missions. I know it's there because I hear it in the spirit. But I know that you are absolutely reaching the world from where you are right here, right now. And I declare unto you that God's going to bring greater clarity to the vision like never before and greater direction like never before. And the apostolic move that God has begun, God's getting ready to expand it. And I see, uh, Pastor Scott, I see as a father, God bringing so many sons and daughters around you. And I see that nurturing spirit that God has given you that's raising up men and women of God that will literally go to the nations, many 
many of you have a call and you fill a pool to the nations and I declare unto you that God's going to use you for so many great and wonderful things. There may be some of you that never go to the nations, but some of you are, but there are many of you that will reach the nations just because of your faithfulness, your commitment, and your generosity. I declare unto you that, that God is going to complete the vision that he's placed inside of you. I declare that God's going to complete the things that he's put in your mind. He said he's given you witty ideas and witty inventions that he's going to use you use to bless you and nurture you and nurture the church and bring blessing to the house. And I declare it's going to filter down to everybody that's connected with you and this ministry. And I declare you'll see unusual mir miracles, unusual signs and wonders, even legs grow and limbs grow. Blinded eyes see, deaf ears, deaf ear from deaf open. And I declare even the best is yet to come. And I declare the things of the past are truly the past and God is getting ready to do a fresh and new work even in this house. And God said your reach will be so much longer and broader than it has ever been. And I declare that, that God is bringing clarity, even people around you who have not had clarity in what you were doing and they've misunderstood your purpose and your go. God's going to bring clarity to that. And people are going to begin to see and begin to know your heart. You know, the one thing about ministry is many times people don't know your heart. They judge you by your actions rather than the intent of your heart. But I declare God's going to know, God's going to cause people to know the intent of your heart. Amen. If you believe that, tell the Lord you love him. Amen. And, and we just stepped out in faith and started doing what God said to do. Uh, over the past few years, uh, God began to ignite us in revival. And I was listening to you share about, about uh, ministering to people on the street. You know, back home, my son, uh, they went out with a team and they hopped on a bus and they preached to the bus. And they would just ask, you know, they were kind of sneaky, y'all, but that's okay. But they said, can we pray over the bus, you know, have you have travel mercies before you take off? And they jumped on this big old trailway or Greyhound bus and uh, took the microphone and began to preach to the people and said, uh, how many of you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior after preaching to him? Man, people raised their hand and got saved. And in one day, one day they had a whole bus that got saved by the power of God, right? I'm telling you, that's where revival is to me. You know, uh, I know that, that we have experienced revival as a nation, but we are experiencing a brand new cycle of revival. I see revivals taking place in living rooms. I see revivals taking place in parks and at Subway. So, right? I see it. I see it in my spirit. I know God's going to do it. And we have got a hard generation that we have got to reach. You know, what did Jesus shed for us? His blood, right? Well, we have a generation that is fascinated with blood. You know, there are no new things. We've done, we've done a lot of youth camps, a lot of youth camps, and the greatest deliverances I have ever seen have been at youth camps. Far greater than things that we've seen in services around the country, but at youth camp. And I cannot tell you the young people that have come to youth camp with a razor blade tucked away somewhere in their luggage so that they could let blood, they could cut themselves to release whatever it was they felt like they needed to release. And, you know, that is not a new spirit. That's an unclean spirit because the Bible tells us that there was the man from the Gadarenes who was cutting himself. That's not a new thing. I know our kids think right now this is a new thing, and it's, but it is not a new thing. You know, I went into McDonald's the other day to get a cup of coffee, and the young girl at the counter, she had been cut from her wrist all the way up her arm and down her other arm. What kind of torment? is this generation in that they feel like they've got to cut themselves but I want you to know the real blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for them and was shed for you and me is about to make a way through this nation and it's going to call in the lost like never before I hear a cry from heavens and I hear the Lord declaring that the lost are going to come the prodigal sons and daughters are going to flow in in waves of Holy Spirit I declare to you I was in a church we were at a church last week, last Sunday, and we had revival breakout. And I didn't, you know, they started off in a house, and then they moved to a little, uh, a little church building, and a tornado came through and wiped their church building off the map. It was a rented building. It wasn't theirs. They, they had no benefit from it at all. They just lost their place of worship. And so we went there last year, and they had rented in faith this great big building, a big metal building, and 
We were back last Sunday, and when we were there, revival just broke out. They they, they asked us to stay and, and, and be there through this last week and today, and I said, man, you know, my, I got an assignment somewhere else, but we're going to come back, so we're going to go back in a couple weeks, but they went from a handful of people. Now the building was three-quarters of the way full. Last year, the first couple rows were full, but um, uh, they, they told me this afterwards, that the Lord spoke to them and said, hard work pays off. I know that you're winning souls and you're doing things for God, I want you to know that your hard work is not going to be done in vain, but God's going to see to it that you have the promises that he has promised you and his word will not come back to him void. And I declare to you that a peace is going to flow and God's going to give you a word for this generation and this generation will not miss the move of God that God has for it. Amen. And uh, in, in the book of Psalms, in 133 and 1, it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to, to dwell together in unity. It is like a pressman ointment upon his head, ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down the skirt of his garment. Anointing always flows down. Anointing always flows down. The thing about anointing, it does not matter if it's that apostolic position, or that prophetic position, pastoral, evangelist, teacher, does not matter. Anointing, when you are anointed, you are at a place of humility. Being anointed is at a place of humility. And the reason why is, is because it specifically says it's like that ointment that was upon the head. So in order for a head to be anointed, it's got to come up under something, right? So in order for something to be poured on the head, it has to come up under something. And then it says, and it, is, it ran down the beard, where the beard uh, says maturity. The beard is a sign of maturity. And because of the humility, because of the, 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 the willing to submit and put themselves in a position of submission, what happened was God allowed maturity to come. And we've got too many weak Christians in the church today, too many people that have come in. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of coming to church and nobody ever getting changed. Nobody ever getting healed. That, that's not our norm at home, and I know that's not your norm here, but I'm, the church as a whole, we go to churches all over the country, and nobody's getting saved. It's the same five people getting saved every week, and the same people that come in, there is no, there is no, there is no fire, there is no zeal, there is no passion, but I'm here to tell you that God is looking for hungry people, and if he will find hungry people that will come up under his anointing and begin to show some maturity, I'm going to tell you right now, right here, these, these, uh, these people that are in, under the sound of my voice right now, and I don't mean this the wrong way, but these young people that are right here right now, I declare to you, there is more maturity inside of you because you've been willing to come up under than we see in a lot of the church today. And I declare to you, because of it, your gifts are going to explode. In a little bit, we're going to lay hands on you, and I already know that words of wisdom, words of knowledge are inside of you, but we're going to declare that they're going to begin to flow out of you and begin to come out of you like never before. You know, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, what is in you is going to come out of you. Got our, uh, one of the ladies at our, at our church, she leads our intercessory team. She was over at Hobby Lobby the other day and trying to talk to somebody. And while she was trying to talk to him, she just started speaking in tongues. Just started rolling out of her. And, uh, and, you know, she, she was like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I guess they needed to hear what she had to say or their spirit did, right? But how good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together in unity and, and for us to come up under that anointing and for that anointing to flow down and bring maturity to us. God is looking to mature some folks. We, we started out. We started out. Just believe in God for whatever, whatever. We had no salary. We had no nothing. We were just trusting God. Now we have gotten to a place where, where the church is very sustaining and, and it's really blessed and God's bringing people in and all of those things. But, you know, when uh, that anointing is on you to do the will of God, you know, it's not about security. To the contrary, there is never security except for security in the Lord. And so what God starts doing is he comes in and starts making you uncomfortable. And once again, that is uncommon. 
And God's looking for some uncommon folk. Sis, God's looking for some uncommon folk that'll go out and win the loss. God's looking for some uncommon folk that'll go out and pray and see folks healed. It's not common, but that's what God wants. It was not common to go into the highways and the byways and declare Jesus because they were doing it at the chance of losing their life. But they went out and said, I'm willing to be uncommon. I don't care if it's illegal. I don't care if folks don't like it. I'm going to go out there and do the hard stuff because God's going to be pleased with that. It's uncommon. It's uncommon. God's not looking for common people. In the hands of Benny Baker, a basketball means nothing. But if you put it in the hands of Michael Jordan, who was cut from his fresh the freshman varsity team, and then he didn't get a playtime that he wanted in a, in in in, a, in in college. But today there is a statue of him out in front of the the stadium there in Chicago that says to the greatest player that ever played the game. See, in my hands a basketball means nothing, but in his hands is very uncommon. In the my hands a football doesn't mean much, but if you put it in the hands of a Peyton Manning, all of a sudden it's a $100 million contract. You put it in the hands of a Tom Brady, you might have to let some air out of it. But it's uncommon, right? I want you to know God wants you to be uncommon. God wants you to be unusual. God is looking for uncommon folk. He's looking for folks filled with dreams and visions. Looking for people that's willing to step out and say, I heard God say to me. I'm going to tell you, if, if you hear me say God said to me, you better know it's God because I don't play games. I understand when I step out and say God said, it better be God said. Now, I'll tell you that I might feel this. I might tell you that, that uh, uh, this is what I'm feeling that God might be saying to you. Or we might pray as a corporate body and say, this is what we feel like God's saying. That's a different That's a different mandate. But when we say God said, we need to know that God said. And there's a lot of people who run around, well, God said, God said. Man, we got to know that it was God that said that. You know a tree by its fruit. So we are uncommon. We need to be uncommon. They were just some stones that were in a riverbed, but a man by the name of David went down, picked up five smooth stones with the intention of killing a giant with them. He went down and killed a giant, and that day a boy became a king. Why? Because he was uncommon. God's looking for uncommon people. God's looking for people that aren't going to go with the flow of the church. They want to go with the flow of the Spirit. We need to be an uncommon people. There was a, a roofer who was just, he was just a roofer. He had construction businesses and he had, he had a, 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 a newspapers and, and he was just a businessman. But God called him to go to South Africa and start a work down there. And it became the largest work South Africa had ever seen. And a man by the name of John G. Lake saw the dead rays, miracles, signs, and wonders happen. In the United States, on the West Coast, he had over 100,000 miracles that took place. 100,000. So many miracles. They had a parade that went through Spokane, Washington. And they, they, uh, they had the blind people and they had the lame people and the deaf people and the miracle, the people that have been raised from the dead. That is uncommon, but God wants it to be common within us. We need to be a people that aren't afraid to see the dead raised, not afraid to have the faith for it. You know, we don't go around looking for it, right? But God will bring it to us. One day I was in my prayer closet and I was praying and I was just seeking God. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go over here to this place. And there's a little U-Haul place and there's a building back behind it. He said, I want you to go over there. And so I said, Lord, I said, there's nothing over there. And it was the 4th of July. It had to have been 2008, 2007. I said, Lord, I said, there's nothing going on over there. Why do you want me to do that? And the Lord spoke to me and said, I just want you to obey me. And so I went over there and I sat on the hood of my car for a while and just waited. Lord, I don't know why you got me here. You know, I, maybe, maybe you're a lot more spiritual. Maybe you went and spoke in tongues, did a Jericho march, you know, fasted and prayed. I didn't do any of that. I was kind of, God, what do you want me to do? It's hot. It's the 4th of July. I want to go have some burgers and some hot dogs. And you got me over here. And all of a sudden, this man comes up and pulls into the driveway. And I think, okay, this is it. This must be 
Well, God wants me to, this is why I'm here. Man gets out of his car and he starts walking into the building. And so, you know, now I feel destiny. You know, I didn't feel nothing before, but now I feel destiny. So I got up and I went over and I, I called to him and nothing. Sir, hey, sir, excuse me, nothing. He goes over, opens the building. I walk over, tapped him on the shoulder and he turned around and said, oh, I'm sorry, son. I can't hear you. All of a sudden now, I feel destiny. Lord, now I know why I'm over here. So I said, you can't hear? He said, no, can't hear at all. Because I can read your lips, but I can't hear. And I said, well, I believe that God sent me over here to pray for you. So I did. And God touched him, and God brought hearing back to his ears. That's, that's uncommon, but that's what God wants us to do. You never know when God's going to send you to the right place at the right time. You're going to meet the right person, and you're going to see miracles take place in your life. Healing should be common within the church today. But the thing is, we are so enamored by it because it is uncommon. But God's looking for a people that want to be anointed, that want to come up under God's grace and his presence and his anointing, and wants that anointing to bring maturity to their lives so that they can be anointed. Uncommon. God's looking for uncommon people. God's looking for an uncommon generation. God's looking for, for people that will rise up and say, I'm not going to be led astray by the things of this world. You know, uh, the things that we hear, the things that we see, we are bombarded with perversion. Bombarded with perversion. Today, even, I can remember when I was a kid, you know, the Alka-Seltzer's commercial. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief. At the wintertime, there was a little guy who would ride the Alka-Seltzers down snowbanks. Neatest thing you ever seen. I don't know why they didn't bubble, but they didn't. But today, you, you can't hardly watch commercials on television. There's some sort of perversion. It's a spirit of perversion that has just been unleashed on this generation. But God's saying, I want you to be uncommon. I want you to be different. I don't care who's hooking up with who and who's doing what. I want this generation to be uncommon. There's a friend of mine. In fact, there's a, there's a church that I preach at in uh, Shawnee, Oklahoma. And the pastors have two daughters. They are both in their late 30s. The younger one, who is just a couple years younger than our sister, I believe they're 36 and 38. She just got married and just had a baby. But she wasn't married until she was 35, 36 years old. And she was a virgin until then. Her sister, who is almost 40, is still a virgin. A friend of mine that my wife and I, we knew, uh, my wife knew growing up. They're, they're just, she's a few years older than us, but my wife knew her growing up. Her family traveled and sang. And uh, her name's April Nye, and she today, I think she's 46, 47 years old, and she is a virgin. We don't hear that anymore. Not because she didn't have the chance to mess up, but because she said, what I have is precious, and what I've got is uncommon, and I can never give it to anybody else. And that's not to make anybody feel bad who is messed up, because we all fall short of the glory of God. But thank God that there are some uncommon people that will stand up in such a time as this and be willing to say, but I choose to be uncommon. There was a man in the Bible who said, I want to be uncommon. He said, you know what? I'm not going to touch anything that's dead. I'm not going to touch a razor to my hip. And he took a vow of the Nazarite, and God used him because of it. And you know when he lost his strength was when he broke his covenant. God is looking for some men and women that won't break their covenants. But in the hours that we live in, there's temptation everywhere. You know why? Trying to keep us from keeping that covenant. But God's looking for some uncommon people for such a time as this that will rise up and say, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to go out and I'm going to raise the dead. I'm going to go out and I'm going to preach this gospel to whoever will hear this gospel. And I don't care if it makes folks mad. And I don't care if it makes folks uncomfortable. And we went door to door and knocked on the door of people's houses and led them to the Lord and watched them get filled with the Holy Ghost right there on their porches. And they would start speaking in tongues, never hearing tongues in their life. It's uncommon. It's uncommon. 
It's uncommon. God's looking for uncommon people. God's looking for uncommon people. You know, the, the thing is, is we can become so complacent in what's easy for us. I can remember when I, when I, was, uh, when I first got called into ministry, I would go to church and I remember one night I was coming home. It was a Friday night. I was coming home from church, and I had this 1979 Z28 Camaro. I just love this car. I had T-tops, and I'm cruising down the road, and I'm I'm a, I'm listening to Carmen. You know, that was about the only Christian rock we had back in the day, you know. <laughs> so there's no such thing as red back then, you know. I was rocking out to revival in the land today, you know. It's all right. It's what we had. It's what we did. Driving down the road and gospel truth, this, uh, this uh, lights come on in my back window. I'm still feeling the Holy Ghost, y'all. And I pull over to the side of the road. This cop gets out and he comes up and he looks at me. the wrong thing to do. I said, no, man, I've been at Bible study. I'm learning about Jesus. That didn't go over too good either. But he looked at me and he saw my, my paraphernalia in the back, which was a Bible and a notebook and a prayer shawl. Because nobody would fake that. <laughs> nobody would fake, what's that? It's a prayer shawl. Who would know that, you know? And he said, all right, you be careful. He said, you tired? No, man, I said, I just, I just love him. I'm loving Jesus right now. And he, he let us go. We had a church back home. And um, we never got connected. It's real funny. We were in Lafayette, Indiana. They were in West Lafayette, Indiana. And they had such a powerful move of God. I mean, it's just like heaven began to kiss our city. We had an eight-week revival that broke out. We had people raised from the dead in the middle of this revival. We had a man come in the back of the church, was sitting there, had a heart attack, and died in the middle of the service. We called paramedics. Everybody kind of filtered and all this was going on. I remember my pastor said, you know, we had an evangelist in. The evangelist, he said, you just keep on preaching. I'll sit here and pray. Everybody else, go back to worshiping. We went back to prayer. The paramedics showed up about 15 minutes later. That man laid there, no pulse, no nothing for 15 minutes. When the paramedics walked in, he sat up and went, I watched people who had been, there was a lady who had been in a car accident who had broken legs and broken limbs, and we watched God heal her and watch her run around the church. My God, I wish. That's not common. It's like heaven just opened up over us. And you know what my problem is now? That's what I know. That is my normal. That's what I want more than anything. Everywhere that we go, we want to see miracles take place, signs and wonders, and hungry people rise up and declare, I'm hungry for God. That's not normal, but that's who we need to be. But man, God began to kiss our area. At the, the other end of the highway, there was a church. And man, they started having miracle signs and wonders like we were having. And uh, they're a much larger church. And... Um, People were getting pulled over every weekend from this church. The name of the church was Whitehorse, Whitehorse Christian Center. People were getting pulled over, Pastor, every weekend. And it finally got to the cops would ask them, where are you coming from? And they'd say, Whitehorse. And they'd say, okay. They had revivals that just were just breaking out. I mean, every time they, they attempted anything, God would just bless it and revival would break out. They started off, they started off in a community center with about 10 people. They grew to about 70 people, and this pastor got a vision. He said, if I can get people to Toronto, is when the Toronto blessing was going on. God, well, you know, there's some anointings that are taught, some are caught. If you're careful, you'll catch something tonight. So he said, God spoke to him and said, I want you to start taking people to Toronto. We're driving them across the, across the, uh, across the country into another country and renting a bus and, I mean, renting a motor coach. It was just um, remarkable. The church, actually, they spent every dime the church had saved up in the bank for a new building to go do this. One Sunday morning, it was Mother's Day weekend. They were praying and having service, and God was moving. And these 70 people had been faithful to God so long they were just standing there. Pastor Jeff got up and said, we dismiss you. Go ahead and go home. And the Holy Spirit. And everybody in the church fell out under the power of God. Everybody, everybody, the pastor, laying in the floor. For hours they laid there lost in the Holy Ghost. 
tornado came through and tore up a building on the other side of, side of town. And um, they went through and they rebuilt a new building. And they built a bigger building and they couldn't afford the building. And so the pastor abandoned the church and the property. Don't you think that's a terrible thing? But it just so happened that Pastor Jeff needed a building and that church needed a pastor. And they grew from 70 people to over 200 overnight. And God just began to bless them. They started having conferences. They had a rule at the conference. If you are a home person, you can't come to our conference unless you serve or work in the church because they could not put everybody. So they had all the home folk come and serve food, and they were feeding people, and, and uh, uh, they were having breakout sessions, and they had to set tents up outside just to sustain everybody. So the home folk, they were the only way they were able to come to any of those special services. So they had to rent the Cumberland Center across the street. And the Cumberland Center is a convention center, and it seated about 2,000 people. And it was the only thing that they had that would sustain this move of God. And they had to be out at midnight, or they were charging them 200 dollars a minute to stay in that building. So at five, I'm, this is the gospel truth, at five minutes till 12, they got dollies out of the rooms and they started loading people up. Roll them, I'm, I'm serious, not in their car, not in a chair, roll them out to the sidewalk. And they would go back in, they would get somebody else, pick them up, roll them outside, park them on the sidewalk. They did that until the building was empty by 12 o'clock. And people just laid out there and I'm laid out there in the rain, laid out there in the snow, did not care. It's uncommon. God's looking for some folks that are hungry and desirous of the uncommon. I'm tired of church as usual. I'm tired of the same old, same old. I'm ready for God to come in and raise up a generation that is hungry for the uncommon. They bought the Cumberlands. $40 million building. They built it. They bought it. And almost right away, they filled it up. One of the problems was, and listen to how, think, how small our thinking can be. God can give them a $40 million building for $10 million. And you know what everybody's worried about, Pastor? How much the utilities are doing. Pastor Jeff went out and they painted a big smiley face on the electric meter. He said, we're not going to worry about this because God will take care of this. They did the right things. They they. They trusted the Lord, and, and I'll never forget when they paid off the old building. We were there, and they burnt the they burnt the, the contract, and, and we're debt free. The mortgage, and, and we're debt free. Walked away. Now they got ten million dollars. They now have to pay off in this other building. So a friend of mine was there, a good friend of mine that we've had at our church a lot of times. And Pastor Paul's had him. I know uh, he's uh, just just uh, just a, just an awesome man of God. He was there on a Wednesday night, Wednesday night for one service. And they're sitting in service. And, he gets up and he is just receiving tithes and offerings for the church. He goes up there and he's just challenging the people. He just likes to see them come and give something to the right hand. And all of a sudden, this, this young man in the church in the front row, sitting in a wheelchair, and he's weeping. There are moments in your life that you can never regain if you miss that. You know, why you would take up the offering, people would start falling out of the glory of God. Why you were trying to uh, do announcements, people would fall out laughing in the Holy Ghost. It was just unbelievable. It was amazing. And what was happening. This young man just rolled up there. And my friend said, I felt led to go over to him and touch his hand. That's it. There was nothing. He didn't pray a long prayer. He didn't do it. He just touched his hand. When he did, that man got up out of that wheelchair and started running around the church. Just a moment where God began to just pour out his spirit. Now, that, that's wonderful. Now, as a pastor, I know what it is. They're looking at a $10 million debt. And it's very difficult where they are to be able to see the end of that. And that night, in the middle of that miracle, people started running to the altar to give. Running. And I'd like to tell you that somebody gave $500,000 that night or $100,000. No, just everybody came. The pastor in one night 
just from everybody responding, they raised $1 million without asking for a dime. It's uncommon. So don't tell me that God can't move for you. Whatever it is that you're facing right now, you're not facing a million-dollar debt in a wheelchair, a $10 million debt in a wheelchair. Right now, you, you know, today in the church, it's amazing how we fall, uh, fall apart and lose sleep over a cable bill because God knows they can't cut up our cable or our Internet because then we all shut down. Five minutes without, y'all Y'all remember the, the old yellow pages, let your fingers do the walking? Today is let them do the young people, you know, when we take when we do camp, we take away phones and iPods and all that stuff, we'll sit and watch young people. You know, they're just spazzing out, fingers going crazy. But by the end of the week, you know, they're praying, God, heal my hands, you know. <laughs> we stepped out into full-time ministry. We had no, no income at all. We had just one little church um, that we went to once a month that was no larger than where we are right now. No, no different, no, a little, little bigger building, but, but fewer people. That's the only thing that, that God had us doing. And you know, we would be at home, and we would need food. And somebody would show up one day. I had two little babies at home. My, my two boys were just babies, and we ran out of my wife came. We didn't have money to buy. I love, love. To, we're prosperous. God's blessed us in so many ways now. You know, we're blessed coming and going, rising up, lying down. You know, uh, there's there's no need that we have that God doesn't in, in plus. You know, God's good to us. But in those early days, I can remember when we did not have money to buy formula or diapers. We had no kind of assistance, no nothing. We just were believing God for miracles. And our miracle was a package. My wife comes to me, and I don't, I don't know, you know, moms, dads, if you remember this, they used to have, you know, the good diapers, you know, they had the Pampers and the Huggies, and, you know, and now I think they have, they had Loves. We, loves was a miracle because they were pretty cheap and they were a good diaper. But we would go down to Payless, and at Payless, you could get, Payless was a grocery store like Kroger's or, you know, I don't know what you might have around here. But Payless, you could buy a package of 20 diapers. We did not have. load, a backseat full of You know, peas don't mean much unless they're your peas, right? That was a miracle to me. I mean, that was huge. So we loaded up those diapers and we wept. And one day we had run out of food again. That was common. Running out of food was common. Now we're in Indiana. In, in Iowa it gets colder than it did in Indiana, but 20 below zero is common weather. Our furnace would go out. One time our furnace went out because I'd like to just say that we had the faith and God made the oil last, but we had to buy this old oil from these fuel tanks, and the oil would run out. In our house, we, it froze up so bad one time that our fish tank froze solid. You know, that was, that was common, you know. And um, we were praying, and we were believing God for food. And, you know, I never, you know, maybe this is wrong, it wasn't pride. I never went to my pastor and said, I need help. I always went to the Lord and said, Lord, I just really need to help me. It wasn't because I was being prideful. The Lord told me to trust him. He said, don't, don't. he didn't tell me to trust my pastor. Not that they didn't know we were in need, but they understand what I'm saying on oh, my heart. It wasn't that I was being prideful. I just needed God to move. And, and there's nothing wrong with those things. This is what God had me do. He had me pray. And we needed food that day. And we were out. Our cupboards were bare. And we started praying. And we had a lady that showed up at our house. Her and her two boys that we knew, 
And they came and they knocked on the door and they had bags of groceries. And this lady said, I was at the grocery store and God gave me a plan for you. Oh, yeah. And I was rejoicing over the food. You know, I didn't tell her how hungry we were. She didn't know. She was just obeying God. And she said, I make a covenant with you right now. I don't care. I don't care what we eat. We'll eat the same thing. She said, if I buy milk, I'm buying double. If I buy steak, I'm buying double. And for the next year, everything that she bought, she bought double and brought it back. Not knowing that we were in need. Not knowing. See, God, that's uncommon. See, it doesn't matter what you're in need of. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. God is looking for uncommon people because God will do uncommon things for uncommon people. How good and how pleasant it is for God's people to dwell together in unity. When we come together and we say, God, I want to be uncommon. I don't care what's going on around me. I want to see miracles. You know, but you've got to step out. Sometimes you've got to do radical things. I can't tell you, if I was to tell you the seeds that God would have us sow, things God have us give away. I remember I, at one time I stopped and I said, God, I had this beautiful watch that I'd gotten for Christmas from my sister. It was just this beautiful Seiko watch, and to me, man, it was just it was, it was an expensive watch for its day. Beautiful watch. Lord spoke to me and said, "Get it that young man." I went and I took the watch off. And I gave it to that, that young man. I remember uh, I told you that we had one meeting that we lived off of. That that that's how God supplied all of our needs, and that's what He chose to do. And I was okay with that. And sometimes He stretched our faith, no matter what. But we were in a season, January, February, and March in the Midwest is just terrible. The, the snow and the blowing snow and the ice, and man, it's just really tough. And so we were in a season where for three months we did not have church and we did not have any evangelistic meetings. Every Sunday we were getting snowed out. You know, I know sometimes you guys might have an ice storm or something like that. We went almost three months without. And then all of our evangelistic meetings got shut down. Man, we had a need. And God speaks to me and says, now, our faith, I, I feel like now it must be this big. time, I felt like it was this big because when you're going through it, that's how it feels. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to sow a $3,000 seed. I want you to sow a $3,000 The Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to sow a $3,000 He said, if you'll just do what I tell you to do, I'll give it to you. So I've never heard of this, you know. Of course, this was 20 years ago. This is, you know, how many years ago was it? Uh, 22 years ago. I've never heard of anybody giving $1,000. So to get $3,000 was so far away. And I was at home and praying. And I don't know how we kept the lights on. I don't know how we had it. I don't know. I just tell you. Three months, I just God just miraculously came. And so here we are. We're praying and asking God, God, bring the seed into our hands. And at the end of this season, the Lord used this couple that we knew that with this little church that we went to. They called me on the phone and said, Brother, Brother Baker, we're gonna we're gonna send you a offer. How do you guys do that? And I said, Man, I said, Well, I don't know. Of course it wasn't we didn't have to have that much money. They dialed me. It took my twenty years. We just we just got stuff unloading this last week that we started loading back at the beginning of our ministry. And so I said, yeah, I said, yeah, I know how you want to do it. She said, no, she said, we'll do a cashier's check. We'll drop it in there. We don't need to do it. We'll transfer it. And I said, what kind of offering is you know, you want to see that you feel like you have to do all that? I said, you want to see this? I don't see that. I've never heard of anybody giving $1,000, much less giving. Yes, giving. I said, oh, we want to send you a thousand dollars. I was shocked. We had, we'd been through a dry season. So we're rejoicing that we know we've got this vow that we have. But we need it. So we said, Lord, you know, we're just going to be obedient to you. And so, do you know before that money ever came in the mail, $3,000 came in the I went down and we sowed that seed. We got that other seed in the mail. And man, we were rejoicing. We were excited. And then a couple days later, this lady calls me yelling, Brother Baker, my cows are out. She's on the other 
loose and my cows are loose. I said, what do you mean your cows are loose? And she's crying. I don't have no idea. I don't know who it is. This lady who'd been to our church and ministered, she said, I need you to pray because our cows are loose. And if they don't get corralled, somebody can get one. I'm going to be in trouble. And all. I don't know what I She said, because of the laws, if somebody hit her cow, she'd be liable and all this stuff. And she's crying and upset. And it's in the middle of a thunderstorm. So we went to pray. We went to seeking God. And the Lord, you know, God God saw to it that every animal was rounded up, put back in its pen. And then she sent us a love offering. And then this just God just began to provide supernaturally. It does not matter if you do $10 million, if you believe in for $20. It is uncommon to stand and trust God. We live in a society where it's very easy to go down and put something on a credit card or go to the bank and borrow money. It's so easy to do. But we serve a God that is so willing to move on our behalf. Uncommon. God's looking for uncommon people. See, this this right here, you are You're an uncommon generation. You're an uncommon people. That God wants more than anything to move for you. You know, God wants a move of his spirit more than we do. And I can't fathom I can't fathom God wanting a move of his spirit more than me because I want it more than anything. You know, there are people that can out preach me. They can out-sing me, out-dance me, out-shout me, all that stuff. But it's hard to find somebody that can out-hungry me. Because I'm more hungry for God than anything else in my life. I want more of him than I want anything. I know when the psalmist wrote, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs after you, O God. Man, I believe that because that's how bad I want God. But I'm telling you, God's looking for uncommon people. And if you'll do some uncommon things, to church, I'm gonna share this. A friend, if you, would you come to the piano? Uh, uh, that would be okay. And just play softly, whatever's in your spirit, something worshipful. There was, uh, I was in this little church one time in uh, Waldron, Arkansas, and uh, man, you know, God gave us so much favor there. And the pastor, it was a lady pastor, and she had gone through a really difficult season. And I've never seen anything like this. She went through, and her husband left. She got cancer. She all she lost her church all in six months. No witness. Her husband found out that she had cancer. He left. And then through a series of events, the church just emptied out. Everybody was gone. I remember we were in service with her. The Lord spoke to me to release, release an uncommon, an uncommon anointing. And I said, in order to do what you
tell you there's not going to be moments where you doubt everything in yourself and everything that you know to be true. But that see, you need to recognize that that is where you are uncommon. Because in spite of what you're afraid of, in spite of what you think and what, what rationale tells you, you rise up and say, I'm going to get out there like Peter did and I'm going to walk on the water. I'm going to get out there like David did and I'm going to kill a giant. I'm going to get out there like Naaman did and dip seven times in that muddy water and see God bring a miracle to pass. God's looking for uncommon people. Go ahead and stand to your feet for a moment. And just love on the Lord. Just tell him how much you love him. Lord, I just love you, Jesus. I love you so much. I love you so much, God. Lord, I love you so much, Jesus. I love you so much. Lord, I praise you, God. I magnify you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. There is a word for the church right now. Is uncommon. God doesn't want us to be like the rest of the church. And He certainly doesn't like us being like the world. What we need to do is be uncommon. You know, my friend, right here on the keyboard, I'm so much Guys, you were, were worshiping earlier. I, I heard the Lord say that she is such a worshiper. The thing about a worshiper, you know, when you want to see God move, you know, you really you talk to a because there is a place that a worshiper can tap into that nobody else can. Because no matter where you are, you're worshiping. It doesn't matter what's going on. You're driving down the road and in your head you're worshiping. I got I got two musicians and, a, and two praise and worship leaders in our house. And there is never a quiet moment in my house. Somebody's always drumming on something. Somebody's always singing something. My son plays all these different instruments. And we went to Guitar Center today and he was playing a melodica. You know what a melodica is? It's a little thing that you blow and it's a keyboard on the side of it. And he was playing Amazing Grace in, in Guitar Center on a melodica. There is never a quiet moment. But the one thing about a worshiper is you tap into a place in heaven that not everybody else can go. And I declare unto you that God is pleased with your worship, and I don't say that very often. And God's going to rise, cause such an anointing to begin to rise up out of you. And I want you to never look at yourself and say that you're inadequate or you're not capable because God has anointed your hands for great things, greater things than even playing just a keyboard. I declare to you that I hear the Spirit saying that you will lay hands on sick and see him recover. I see the Holy Spirit moving all through your life right now, all through your physical body going through your feet especially doing some healing in your feet doing a touch of heaven in your feet and in your legs it's like the blood's going to begin to flow uh, flow properly in your legs and there is a precious grace that you have and you love people and you want to see the lost healed and changed and set free and I declare your eyes will do it tonight God I anoint her eyes her hand her heart and I declare greatness is going to rise up inside of her and the woman of God that she's been called to be she's going to come forth. Come here, my friend. Uh, who feels like they have a five-fold calling? I know you're pastors, but who else? Who feels like they have that five-fold calling? In my midst, come on up here. You feel you have that five-fold calling on your life, five-fold anointing. I want to make sure I pray with you, so just come up here real quick and touch you. You know, the spirit of grace is in love with you. Uh, while I was praying, 